Hello, everyone. This is Fernando speaking, and this is Embryo Creations. Today, we have an epic filmmaker named Aaron, and his stuff is insane. <laughs> How are you doing today in New Zealand? I'm doing well, thanks, man. It's, um, yeah, it's good. It's uh, nice and early here. It's only, what, 10 to 7? And today's nice. probably, what, like 10 to, 10 to 1 in the morning. <laughs> epic. That's nice. How's the weather down there, by the way? It's actually been really average. We've had a lot of rain lately, so um, it's just coming into summertime here. So December's the start of our summer. So we don't have the old white Christmas like you guys. We have a summer Christmas. But the weather's been quite cold, but it's, I'm, I have a feeling it's going to start warming up any day now. Cool. Like lately over here, like our summer, it's been raining every day. <laughs> like it's been raining nonstop, yeah. and it's like, what the hell? What the hell happened to our summer? And then, yeah. and then it, like, it goes to fall, and there's no, there's no leaves changing. The leaves aren't changing. And then it goes from fall to winter, and then like it starts, it starts to snow in the fall. Uh, it's like that uh, the weather in twilight. Then it's just always overcast, and, and the sun never shines. Oh my god, that's crazy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Blenheim, oh. Blenheim, where I live, it's actually got really high sunshine hours. We get um, like over two thousand a year, which is quite a lot. So um, we're oh. one of the best, one of the highest um, provinces in, in New Zealand in terms of sunshine hours. So it's quite. Yeah, it's a pretty sunny place usually. Wow, nice. You have a nice accent, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice and clean. <laughs> so, uh, so what inspired you to be a filmmaker? Tell us about yourself. Um, I guess it was just making films, you know, just um, a true passion for actually just watching films um, mm -hmm. and really um, interested in the process in terms of how films are made. You know, like it's like, wow, that looks so awesome. How'd they do that? And I think I was about the age of nine and um, I grew up in the country, so we didn't have, you know, modern technology, that sort of thing. But my, my friend's parents bought them a, a handy cam. And we went around there and we started making these little short films. And mm -hmm. I soon realized how obsessed or how passionate I was about film from a very, very early age. It just, that's all I wanted to do was just, right, let's come on, let's go make a film. And we'd make this little martial arts action film. So we used to make lots of like, like fighting films because it was fun. We're young boys, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like beating each other up. So making wrestling videos and things like that. And so it kind of just transpired, I suppose. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I got into filmmaking. Wow. That's crazy. Um, but when you're making a film, what's that like? It's a, it's a really interesting process. I suppose that's that kind of that cliche, it's challenging, but it's rewarding. Um, and sort of by that, I mean, you know, it depends how, how complex a film is. Like um, the more elements you add to your film, the more spinning wheels you got and the harder it is to kind of keep things aligned and going in the same direction. Um, but it's a really, really rewarding feeling when you finish that film, you know, it's like, for me, one of the one of the highlights is showing a person a film and seeing how it moves them. You know, like wow, that that was awesome. Or, I love that scene where, you know, this this and that happened. And so, you know, it's a really rewarding feeling. It's like I think that's my favourite part is that whole the completion and presenting it to people. Because I mean, what do you make films? You you know, you, you make films so that you can tell a story and show that to somebody. Yeah. Um. So that so that's really cool. But in terms of the actual creation process, I suppose. It's hard, you know, like, and it depends how complex your story is in terms of how many elements you're trying to add to it is in terms of how hard it is to make. So, yeah, it depends. Like, you could have a have a film shoot where you've just got yourself shooting stuff or you could have up to, you know, 50, 100, 
you know, 200 people or whatever. So I've worked kind of in a few different environments and it's all very different. But the one common theme that I really enjoy about filmmaking also is that film family feeling. You know, it doesn't matter where someone comes from. We all share the same interest for making films and, and, and you know, doing our art um, and so it's it's fun when you can bring people together and you know you finish a scene you give someone a high five there's this really awesome family feeling about about making films and so you know it's it's a fun enjoyable process but it's incredibly challenging at times yeah I remember that like when I was in Fry PTV like I, I can understand it because there were times where there were, there were arguments everyone's you're not going to all get along but like you're, it's just like a little family you know you're not going to have up and down but it's like the greatest feeling, especially when like after like then after like all said and done, y'all can watch what y'all did after the exactly. long, long, long edit process. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I never I never knew how long how long like you can do like days of footage and then take all those days of footage and turn it into two one to two hours. I never yeah. knew I never respected that until I actually did it. But it's a, it's it's an amazing feeling because it's all that hard work and then it's like, <laughs> holy crap, I made that. Yeah. Oh my god. How do you, yeah. so, well, speaking yeah. of that, like, how do you go about when, um, when picking your crew members? Um, I suppose for me, because I come from a really small region, like our, the town I live in, it's got about 30,000 people in our population. So okay. it's quite small. And so we didn't actually have, we, we don't have a film industry here. So about six years ago, I kind of had to, had to start something. And so all I did was, started a film project, I had a script ready to go, and I was like, right, I'm just going to advertise this on social media and see if I can actually bring a, pull a crew together. Basically, most of the people I've worked with sort of stemmed from film projects that we've started ourselves, and so we didn't necessarily have skills or education in film, but we share the same interest in film. So, you know, like a lot of the key people that I use are all self-taught, um, with ex- you know, with the exception of a couple of people who have education in film and some experience. So it's just like I'm working with friends, you know, we're, we're doing an indie style, you know, right. indie style filmmaking. Who would you say is the greatest filmmaker? Man, that's a hard question. Who's yours? Stephen King. Oh, uh, his stories. I saw uh, it the other day. Um, yep. What'd you I think? I saw that movie. Oh my God. I was freaking phenomenal. Way better. Almost as good as the original. Uh, when he, his first time around. But usually people do horrible remakes, but this guy, this the remake was pretty freaking good. I'm, I'm really intense and waiting for uh, Chapter 2. Okay. Yeah. Well, I heard they're making a sequel to It as well. I think they've already shot it. Is that for what you're what? talking about? The the sequel to It, like the one that they've just made. Yeah, I saw that. They're doing it with, uh, with the adults, so taking the kids yeah. out. And so, But um, I suppose, so to answer your question, I suppose... It'd be someone like Steven Spielberg or maybe mm-hmm. I really like Clint Eastwood's films, like the way he directs his films. He's done some really awesome stories and maybe Ridley Scott and James Cameron. Maybe, you know, they're all epic sort of stories and Ridley Scott. Did I say that? Yeah. And I suppose if we have to throw it in there as a New Zealand icon, we'll probably have to put Peter Jackson in there. I used to like Christopher Nolan, but, kind of feel like his films are kind of fallen a bit flat recently. Why is that? Um, I don't know. His films just haven't, his later films just haven't really resonated with me, like some of his earlier work. Like, um, you know, when he did like the Batman films, like especially the Dark mm-hmm. Knight Rises and uh, yeah. all the Dark Knights. Are, um, one we did with Heath Ledger before he passed away was like, 
You know, that was yeah, epic. And then he did Inception, yeah. which is like mind blowing. And I was like, man, I got to keep watching this guy's films. And then he released Dunkirk. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here with the story? It's going backwards and forwards, but it's supposed to be all in a, you know, like sequ- sequential. And it wasn't. And it really threw me off. And I just didn't really feel for, um, didn't really care about the, the actors so much. It kind of felt weird. It kind of felt like you're observing what they, they were doing rather than feeling immersed in the film. So, yeah. Have you seen it? Dunkirk, no. the war film? No. No, okay. I've heard about it, but I still haven't seen it yet, though. But I mean yeah, to see but it, it, though. Yeah. You know, like it's got some visually some really stunning stuff, but it's, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being picky. Nah, you got you have a choice, so you have your own type of thing. So that's what you like, then go for it. If you don't like it, then who cares? Like I think, you know, speaking of speaking of films these days, I've noticed that it seems like when it comes to making them, it seems like the whole storytelling has been, it's like slowly being taken away. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's more about like the action anymore than it is about like doing a plot. Yeah, I have Absolutely. no idea why that is. Yeah, is there um, like a reason for that? I, I don't know. I just, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the new breed of, of directors and, and storytellers coming through, maybe, that they just don't have, um, they care more about the visuals than they do about the story somewhat, or maybe they're trying mm-hmm. to trying to be different and trying to take a different approach to filmmaking. You know, and there's nothing wrong with experimenting, but there's always a, it's kind of like a time and a place for it, and it shouldn't be at the highest level when you're trying to make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, it's and especially with CGI now. Now that CGI is a new thing anymore, it's like it's now starting to be overused. There's uh, there are good times where it should be used, like uh, Doctor Strange. That was a good time to use that type of stuff. But sometimes people like go heavy, heavy, heavy on it, and it kind of ruins the story. And then also, like when I saw uh, uh, Halloween, the new Halloween came out, which was pretty good. I heard it was awesome. Like, yeah, it was pretty good. But um, it's like you knew what was going to happen before it happened. Yeah, and it seems like they over they overdid the evilness. Like the whole like when they revealed his mask in the yard of the asylum, and everyone was like going bananas. I thought that was a little bit too much. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a little bit overdoing it. But what was cool? What, was, what I find interesting is that he threw away all the uh, st- uh, episodes after part two, after part one, threw them in the garbage, and okay. then it's like they're not brother and sister anymore. It's 40 years after the murders in part one. And then, yeah. But he has his right to do anything. And okay. we're back. <laughs> and we figured out the situation. Uh, we're going to try to stop it from happening. Um, but before we, before we came back on, like he was showing, Aaron was showing me this trailer called A Sentence that he's working on. And the trailer looks freaking insane. So uh, before we <laughs> ask, if any more questions asked, what's this story about? Yep, so Ascendance is uh, a short film that we made. It was done in collaboration with a group of US filmmakers who came over to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, Michael Ortiz was the writer and creator of this universe. So the film itself is part of a larger universe. There's actually been about seven films that have been made. Um, and this film is about uh, a dragoon, which is the, the lead character. He looks a bit like a... Uh, I don't know, like a bounty hunter or, or whatever you want to call it from, he's a super soldier in the film and he's called in to uh, investigate what's happening to some of their caravans, which have been um, attacked and people have been killed. Um, and then along this journey, he discovers that um, it sort of brings up some, 
some past misdeeds about his clan because he's part of a clan. Um, so it's very it's a science fiction uh, science fiction film, science fiction sort of fantasy, I suppose, um, with a lot of action in it. As you've probably seen in the trailer, there's yeah. explosions. Those are all real explosions, I must add. So we had pyrotechnics wow. on, uh, and we tried to use as minimal amount of CGI as we could. Um, the only CGI in it is kind of for the science fiction stuff where it kind of had to be done, but it was a, some of it was a mix of, you know, like real explosions for that as well. So it was pretty epic. That's freaking amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's another quick question. How do you go about when launching your uh, movies to theaters? Like, how does that work? Um, having not done it before, I suppose okay. it would be about learning the, learning the, the art of, distribution um mm -hmm. and i imagine it's all to do with licensing i suppose and mm -hmm. and how much demand your film would have to the general public and i suppose that comes down to who's in your film you know like who's who's your a-list or your b-list actors that people are going to recognize and and uh and want to watch you know so so really there's kind of like there's two types of films really isn't there there's there's those people that say, man, this film's awesome, and but it doesn't have any recognised actors in it. Or there's the films that go, oh, look, this is this film's got Jason Statham in it or something like that, you know, and it's like, cool, got to go watch that. Or this film's got The Rock in it. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. It's going to be great action, you know. So Yeah. So I, I don't know. So personally, I've not done uh, a full feature-length film to actually better get it distributed, but mm -hmm. I have got experience with um, film festivals and running that. So, um, But, of course, that's just a, a regional event, so not screening it nationwide or, or worldwide. That's crazy because a lot of stuff you'd be doing, it looks like it's pretty legit. Like, it's freaking insane. Like, oh, my God. Uh, I was assuming, I, I would think that it's already in theaters, like all the stuff that you'd be doing. Because you, you'd be, I'd be looking up there, your stuff, and I'm like, holy crap. But, well, ooh. yeah. <laughs> that film there, um, Ascendance, is it's going through film festival circuit at the moment. So it's just been selected for one film festival and it's just one best half film or best half feature film. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, so we took out the award of the Orlando edge film festival. So that was cool. Mm -hmm. And we're waiting on about 14 other submissions to see how we get on. And they're all kind of around the world. So, you know, hopefully we can get a few wins and um, get some recognition. And, um, and we're actually in negotiations with a, uh, distribution company to see if we can get the film put on um, yeah. something on platforms because uh, they, they really like it. They said, look, this is one of the best quality short films we've had submitted for reviewing. So um, so that's really good good to hear them saying that. They've been doing it for yeah. years. Yeah. Shoot, I would say the same thing too. But is this <laughs> yeah. like your favorite type of, is this like your favorite type of genre to do? Is it fantasy or what, what's your favorite type of genre to film? I think after doing this film, I have to say mm -hmm. probably action. Um, mm -hmm. I started out doing a lot of horror, but I kind of soon realised that it's not so much the horror that I enjoyed doing, but it was it was the telling tales of survival. I really like to tell films which see characters struggling to stay alive, or you know, you know, trying to save you know, someone else's life, or I don't know. That's that's what interests me. So obviously, you see a lot of lot of death and stuff in horrors, and so that's kind mm -hmm. of I guess how that crossed over, but I really enjoyed doing the action in, uh, in Ascendance. There's some really um, awesome um, fight scenes that we did in that film, which I really enjoyed doing, and it's like, man, I want to do more of this, so I think that's where my future lies, and um, you know, a couple of people, a couple of the filmmakers in New Zealand commented saying that there's, there's not too many genre filmmakers or genre directors in New Zealand, so, you know, by genre, you know, being that epic 
action sort of film or, you know, or horror film or something like that with a lot of, a lot of people making dramas and comedies, but not so much of this, um, you know, high end action stuff that's, that I really enjoy doing. So that's kind of exciting. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I saw, I saw you were one of the people who graduated or was one of the graduates from uh, light film school. Yeah. What was it like um, going through that program? I personally really enjoyed it. Um, I'd already had a, quite a few years experience just going mm. out there and making films. So I was kind of familiar with the process from kind of like learning stuff off YouTube or off web forums and that sort of thing. But I found it really, really awesome. I learned a lot about the technical, uh, technical aspects of filmmaking. So I found that was really good. And the tutors like, um, like Mike and Lauren and, and Noah are really knowledgeable and really supportive and really helpful. So you can kind of um, spit questions out. They use the Slack platform for um, posting questions and posting videos and, and stuff like that. So really, really useful. You know, you could ask them anything and they'll give you really honest answers and they'll give you honest, honest feedback about your, your projects. And, you know, like I did mine back in 2015 and we, we still keep in touch probably on a weekly basis. Um, I'm really good friends with the people that um, ran the film. And, you know, who would have thought that um, me as a student and them as a tutor that, um, you know, we'd become best friends and be, you know, talking film and sharing our films with each other. Wow, that's crazy. So anyone out yeah. there that was looking for a, a great alternative to, like, film school, nothing wrong with that, but if you want to look for a budget, you know, uh, Life Film School seems to be a pretty legit place, especially since it works with your hours too, you know. It's more flexible. Yeah, well, you've got a year to complete your course. Um, mm -hmm. I think I spent about nine months doing mine, but I, mm -hmm. I spent quite a period after filming where I kind of sat the film down and took quite a break before finishing it. Um, mm -hmm. And that was due to some sound issues I had with the, with the film, but <laughs> it's a really good course and I highly recommend it. And and probably for me, like I'm because I've got kids, I, I've got four children, um, right. I don't. I wasn't in a position where I could actually just go away because I, I have to go away wherever I want to study film. There's nothing in my town, so I would have to go away somewhere else. So for me to be able to do this from home, you know, through distance learning, doing it online, um, was awesome, and it was and it was super cheap too. It's like five hundred dollars, and you get a certificate. Yeah. Now, when it comes to film school, do you feel like I know there's, this is an alternative, but for people out there who want to be a filmmaker, do you feel it's great to take like go to college for this or do like this type of course or just straight up experience? I personally think that you can't beat hands-on experience. Um, and the reason being is you learn a lot from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be fed so much information through a school where you kind of just been told this and that, and you're not really getting out there and doing it. Like I just don't think you can beat that practical experience because Man, I think my biggest lessons I've learned along my journey is from actually going out there and making films and, you know, making those big mistakes. And, and don't get me wrong, I've made some big mistakes with my films um, and I'd be the, one of the first people to, to own up to that. And you kind of have to acknowledge your mistakes and then figure out how not to make them in the future um, because, you know, you don't learn anything from success. I'm sure you will learn things from film school. You'll probably... Um, make some really good filmmaking connections as well, um, either through the tutors that they provide or through, you know, other people that are on the course. You'll make those connections, with, which is awesome. But I don't think you can really beat that hands-on experience of actually being on a set, you know, and, and running through the motions.
Exactly. I, I was just curious because a lot of people think because we live in an age like it's kind of overrated. I mean, nothing's wrong with college, nothing's wrong with it, but like a lot of people go in debt for this piece of paper to to prove that they can do something. When a, a lot of times you can literally, there's YouTube now, there's there's Udemy, all this st- different alternatives all, other than just getting this piece of paper saying, "Hey, I'm a hundred grand in debt. Uh, give me a job." Like you can yeah, well, do this uh, all yourself. And at the end of the day, I think if you think about it, having a piece of paper is not going to make you a filmmaker. Having that passion and enthusiasm for actually getting out there, exactly. making films and promoting yourself is what's going to make you a filmmaker, you know, mm-hmm. and make you a successful filmmaker, willing to take risks, willing to make those mistakes so you can learn from them. You know, that's what makes an awesome filmmaker. And, and I suppose that whole um, uh, persistence, you know, just never giving up because you know, if you never get up, your, your opportunity is going to come eventually. It's just when is it going to come? You know, speaking of that, though, I remember you were saying that you live in a town where there's there's not a lot of people that are like filmmakers and whatnot. Like, that's right. I've known, I, I've I've seen I've seen this being a common thing, a common thing where like people who want to be in a, a filmmaker but they live in a town like that. How would you suggest going about and getting more people to be in your film when you live in a town like that? Social media, Facebook, okay. Instagram. Snapchat, whatever you can use to advertise your film, get your name out there, and and it's free. Like just for me, like I mean, yeah, I was in that situation with small town, no film industry established. We started to. It was myself and another guy called Jose. We were talking one day, and he goes, <laughs> he, knew that, he knew that I had interest in film, and he goes, let's make a film. He wasn't working at the time; he was actually off work. And we're like, okay, cool, let's do it. And um, I was like, I'm a big, massive Walking Dead fan. I was like, let's do a zombie film, you know. And so we made this, um, we made this film, and and it was literally just him and I. And I was like, well, how, who are we going to get to help? We, I don't know any actors. I don't know anyone that could do this or that. So the first thing I advertised on Facebook was looking for lead actors for a feature film. Need two male lead actors, one female support actress, and. And it was like the first week I had like nothing. And then I kind of wrote another post and then I had this bite. It was actually a friend of a friend tagged another friend in it and said, hey, are you interested in this? And uh, before I knew it, I'd um, met these two guys, Matt and Nate, and um, they decided to take on the, the lead roles. And they, they had no acting experience at all. Same with the female cast that came on as well. Same with the um, the other co you know, supporting actor who came on as well. No one, no one had experience. Like, I was the only one who had actually made or had any attempt at making a short film before, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But mm-hmm. so here, I, here I am in the day. Um, actually, I forgot to even mention our writer. I actually ended up using a writer, uh, Lee Quarry, from over in um, in Los Angeles. She ended up writing the story, and that's the craziest story ever. Was I was like, I didn't have a writer. I said, I need a writer, and funnily enough. A guy on Facebook, also named Aaron Felvey, said, oh, hey, my wife is a writer. Do you want to have a chat to her? And I was like, you've got to be joking, right? This guy with the same name as me knows someone who's a writer. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, she was a writer, and um, she wrote me a script for Bloodless and kind of kick-started everything. And, man, the the story of the film and how we got it made is probably going to take up your whole podcast. But, um, you know, the short story was is that we bit off way more than we could chew. I was doing several roles. I was kind of like director, producer, um, cinematographer, part wow. editor, and um, 
that was oh, it was insane. I was I was absolutely exhausted at the end of that. We shot it in three days. It's like a twenty minute Ooh. film. So Ooh. yeah, pretty pretty crazy, really. I I learned a lot about that film shoot. We've made lots of mistakes. One of them was about scheduling and allowing more time than not enough to get things done. You know, casting the right people, casting people who are reliable, keeping in good communication with people. Because one of the first things that happened on the set was we had a feature zombie. I thought, cool, we'll get this guy in. He can do it. He can put his contact lenses in. He never showed up. And so we didn't have the next extra coming until like an hour later. So we had to like wait for an hour before we could then get the next person into makeup to fill the role of this person that flaked on us and never turned up. And so, you know, like I learned, I just learned so many lessons and it was like, you know, like I was striving for protect, um, perfection and I could see this vision in my head of how I wanted the film and, didn't come out anything like how I've <laughs> visualized it, but hmm. I guess that's something I'm finding is, you know, you're, you're making more films that the vision is becoming truer to what it's, the film's coming like. So, so that's, that's great to see. Um, so I don't know if I've really answered your question, but, um, no, people to help you. Um, don't be scared to ask for help because there's always people out there who, probably share the same interests but don't actually know that they they like it and and that's yeah. kind of one of the fun things or cool things that i find with film is that any one person that you get onto your film they're probably useful in a role like you know like even a chef can like cook your food or a builder can help build your sets or you know like um someone who's good with accounting can do all your all your financing and stuff for you all your budgeting or yeah. you know like one who watches movies as a buff and might be really good for continuity and picking up scenes where hey you weren't holding that pen in that hand in the last shot you're holding it in the other one just you know just little small things like that even like my wife says i'm not i, I don't really have any interest in film but she is amazing at continuity she will pick up anything on tv shows and be like no no they weren't doing that in the previous shot they all were here's different or so you know just crazy little things like everyone's good at something so yeah just give somebody a chance and you'll probably see that they're they're pretty useful that's good you're saying it because like a lot of people like they get discouraged because they don't have all those resources but it doesn't have to be the best the best thing like you know you can just use what you have and it can be anybody anybody exactly. can do something to show them how to do it and then you can you can get it going exactly. you know once you've got something yeah. to show you're gonna be able to interest more people it's gonna be like that whole snowball effect you know it's just gonna keep rolling you're gonna gain momentum it's gonna get bigger and better bigger but the one key thing if anything, if you had to pick one thing to make a good film, it's your story. If you don't have a good story, you don't you don't have a film as far as I'm concerned. And it took me far too long to figure that out. I don't know why. I think um, to start with, I was really big on visuals. And that's probably because I had quite a strong cinematography background. Like I did a lot of filming of, because um, my, my day job is as a video producer, I make educational videos. I've been doing that for the last 13 years. So, so yeah, you know, I've got experience, but I'm self-taught. So that's, yeah, so what I'm saying is, yeah, the script or the story is is your key key to everything. Like, get somebody who has written a book or is good at writing blogs or something that someone, get, get five or ten people to look over your story and say, right, critique this, give me feedback, and then say, look, and, and educate yourself about, how to write a story, like what's the, you know, how do I write a story? What's the structure for it? There's, there's plenty of resources, free resources out there that you can use. But, you know, like if you don't have a strong story, your, your film falls over, even if it looks awesome. 
that's a good thing you said that because a lot of people need to hear this when it's it like comes Shana. to certain things. Because a lot of people, yeah, because a lot of people like they lose hope in things, you know. And it's not really; it doesn't really have to be the best, you know. And to me, I think when it's like that, it's more genuine. Like how, um, for example, like Paranormal Activity is a perfect thing. Like that thing was a low budget film; it wasn't the best quality. Yeah. But look how much of an impact it made just because of how it was. Yeah. And a lot of people, I feel like they get overwhelmed. Because I've seen a lot of filmmakers that yeah that that give up because of that. Yeah. You know, and just start small and build yourself up. You start with like a one or two page script. Like I bit mm. off way more than I could chew. I started off with a twenty page script. Ooh. <laughs> Start with Holy like a two-page script. Keep it simple. Like just maybe if you don't have actors, just use them not talking. Just use body language or get them going through the motions of doing something, and and let the audience decide what's going on. Like don't you know? Don't use dialogue to like spell something out to someone. Use don't use so much exposition. You know, like have them doing something or have something on the table that kind of implies something or. You can do you can do a script without a without dialogue. I've done a film like that. It's kind of crazy. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, excuse the uh, connection. Film out some. Uh, I've got a film called Alone, which um, we're actually um, considering or looking at turning that into a feature because it's kind of doing okay on YouTube at the moment. So that that complete film it has some narration in it, but it's twenty seven minutes and there's no spoken dialogue throughout the whole film. That sounds pretty intense, though. I think it's pretty cool. I, also, I think that's pretty cool when there's no wording in films because it's like you're putting yourself in their shoes and it makes you want to think what they're thinking. And so it makes you want to engage with the film more because they're not talking. So it's like, okay, I don't know what they're saying, so I'm going to put myself in their shoes. I'm going to really, really watch this. It makes you want to... It, it, it gives more of an authentic, uh, authentic feel, you know? And I, I think a lot of those silent films are really, really, they're really cool. Like, uh, there was this movie called uh, Hush, I believe. It's called Hush. I feel like I've it was seen on Netflix. It. Yeah, it was about a woman that, that uh, can't hear and can't speak. I've seen that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was pretty... It, it, she didn't talk through the whole film, but it was really, really intense, and it, it kept you on your feet. Yeah. That's, um, you know, the whole... For, the, you know, the film's called Alone for a reason, because this guy's in the wilderness on his own. So to give people that feeling that he was alone, there was no... No dialogue. Uh, yeah. So, um, but you could hear his thoughts through narration. That's cool. Just in small patches here and there. There's about four sort of slots where he kind of you know, he speaks throughout it through his what he's speaking in his mind. What's what's he missing about the real world and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I I really think I want to turn that one into a feature one day, and it may come sooner than we think. But um, wow. Yeah. But, um, the concept for the film is. A guy goes out trekking in the wilderness and he sees this nuclear blast go off in the distance over the, over the hill and it happens to be where his, where his hometown is. And he's like, what the hell do I do now? My, my hometown's been blown up. What do I do? Do I go in there and risk radiation poisoning or do I stay where I am and try and survive? So the story follows this guy for two weeks living in the wilderness. An everyday man who doesn't have like survival skills and has to learn to, you know, how to cope in the situation. So it kind of follows his struggles for two weeks. So what was it like when you did your first film? Uh, well, it goes back to when I was young. Like, but if you're talking about first kind of attempt at a professional level film, well, that, that's bloodless. It was a complete struggle. Um, and it was probably because of the amount of people involved without experience. And so, yeah, it was, 
again, it was a it was a challenging, hard task. We were up against the odds, really, but we got it done just through sheer determination and wanting to get it finished. But it actually took us a year to get it finished. So, you know, we shot it in a couple of weeks, like over those the three shoots that we needed to get done. But the editing mm-hmm. process, for one reason or another, took us took us a year to get it done. Um, just from I don't know, you get you kind of get these points or these feelings and of lack of interest and you kind of just need to have a break from something and especially when the projects are that long like 20 minutes doesn't sound like long but if you if you're editing and you're an editor you, you'll know how much work goes into a 20 minute production for example like i've got this video or documentary i'm doing at work at the moment it's a it's it's six months worth of footage and they want a 10 minute video it's wow. uh, more challenging than you think I can understand that. That's six months. <laughs> put it down to 10 minutes. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's I mean, it'll be cool to, to do. It'll be a good accomplishment. It'll be a good accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. You did it. Did you? You're cool. You did it, though. Yeah. So, so um, it's in its final stages now. So it's going through its final review process. So, um, you know, again, it's one of those rewarding feelings getting to the end of the project, especially with Christmas coming up and having a break. I hope you have a good break. Oh, Two my God. Off. You deserve that. Look forward to it. Oh my God, you deserve it. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so how do you feel movies are going to change in the future? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think we're probably going to see more virtual reality films. You know, like, I think we're going to see more interactive films as well where people, you know, like pick a path style, people are going to choose what happens in films. I feel like that's going to be the future. You know, with people, wow. you know, with people on their devices, and I would certainly love to do something like that. I've, I've been, I've done a, a pick of path style interactive training package before, where people choose something and it alters the results um, of what happens. So, a lot of planning for it, as you can imagine. There's a whole lot of branching and, and that you have to do. Where if, if someone chooses this option, then we need to shoot a clip that, that does this, or if they choose that option, you know, they're going to have this option. And then that's going to lead to whatever their next choice is. So logistically, mm-hmm. it's a lot of planning, but you know, like it's interesting. And I feel like with this younger generation, we all like to push buttons. They will do that, things. yeah. So I feel like that's probably the future, and especially virtual reality. I'm starting to see things like VR film festivals and stuff happening now. So I feel like that could be um, that's definitely something that's going to start happening. And I see. Netflix has actually adopted this pick a path style interactive video where you can choose what happens. They're going to do that with uh, the next uh, episode of Black Mirror. If you've ever seen that. Oh, oh my gosh, really? That's so crazy. Yep. So, um, and and you see what that's actually doing too, is it's probably reducing um, pirating as well um, because, you know, of how it's put together, it's probably going to be much harder for pirates to, to download VR oh. stuff and deliver it to people, or that's, you know, right. that's what I'm thinking. I'd, I mean, I think it's a really challenging time for filmmakers um, to really sell your filming. It's hard enough as it is with all the, you know, the pirating and stuff that goes on in the world. I mean, I certainly don't do it myself, but it's because I don't want to, you know, I want to support filmmakers. I know how much work goes into making yeah. a film. It's the, you know, they pour their, their heart and soul into it. So. Yeah, it's an interesting time, and I think we're probably going to see more people are going to try, or producers are going to try and give audiences more bang for their buck. You know, it's more than just watching a film. It's more than this, you know. Um, how they do that, I'm not sure. I've certainly got some ideas that I want to incorporate for, 
my next feature, so or my, my first feature. There's some stuff that I want to do. So, um, yeah, it's interesting times. That sounds freaking epic. Mm. Oh, my God. I never, I never even thought of that. That's so cool. I remember, like, it's like, uh, I remember, like, reading those little stories back in, like, elementary store, uh, school, and then, like, you can choose a path. And yep. now in VR, oh, my God. I would be insane. I wonder how the theaters would be like. Like, would everyone like have a little headset, and then like everyone watching in one? That's weird, though. Would everyone have like a, a headset, and then they all were in one room? Or you just you probably just yeah, you have people in a room. They put a headset on, um, or I assume they have to have a headset because I don't know how else it would work. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, you could put you could put that anywhere. You could do that from anywhere. You could deliver it to people's homes too. It's kind of it's quite a exciting thing. Yeah. You know, something like that. I think if if they're going to go that route, it's almost like that they might as well just get rid of uh, theaters now because we're at the point that we're at the point now that we don't really need to go to theaters anymore. Like we can do it all at home. Like there's yeah. like Netflix and all that. It's almost like theaters are going to be more on our computers now. Yeah, you know what really bothers me about theaters is the fact that they they have a film for say two or three weeks a month or whatever it is, and then a film like goes into this period of being nowhere to be found <laughs> you know like you you have to wait three or four months before it comes out on blu-ray or dvd or out on you know like yeah by tunes or whatever to download and it just frustrates me it's like you know like if, if i make a film and i release a film i want to make it available on all those platforms at the same time i want to give people the choice i don't want to restrict people to just having to go to the cinema like sure people love going to the cinema and watching films but you know, there's still a huge amount of people that just want to watch the film in their lounge or, you know, for some reason or other, they can't get out of the house to go and do it, whether it's for health issues or, you know, or they've got kids and they can't mm-hmm. do it, you know. So I want to give people that flexibility, that option to, to watch the film wherever they want to watch. If they want to watch it on their mobile device, they can. If they, you know, if they want to watch it on their TV, they can do that as well. So that's where I would like to go. How do you feel about today's, like, superhero films? Uh, not a massive fan, eh? <laughs> I actually, you know, for someone that likes action, I don't really like superhero films. I've figured that out. I went and watched the Avengers Infinity War. Um, yeah, thought it was okay. The only real Deadpool is the only one I really like. <laughs> because it's like R-rated. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never seen that on Valentine's Day. And, oh my god, I did not expect any of that. I honestly, I never even knew who Deadpool was. I just thought, okay, superhero, what the hell? And I was watching it with my my uh, my partner at the time, my girl, and like um, and we were watching it, and like it was Valentine's Day, and I was, oh, this is gonna be an awesome film, and it was like it went totally three sixty, and I was like, holy crap! I am so sorry, but this is freaking hilarious. <laughs> Oh, my God. So Ryan Reynolds, though. I don't know. I just feel like those superhero films lack story. Um, mm. Like, it must be so hard for those writers to balance um, how much screen time each of those Avengers are getting. Like, because they've got so many involved. It's like, damn, how do, mm. you, how do you do that? You've got all these characters that you're trying to give screen time to. You're paying Robert Downey Jr. $50 million to be in the film. You've got to give him a significant amount of screen time to get your money's worth. Like they're, still, they're like they're like making a live film of each each character anymore. Um, sadly, uh, Stan Lee is gone now. God bless his soul. Um, but like that guy was the greatest. I find that really insane. Like how someone created all those characters. 
Yeah. Like a crap ton of characters from one little one little head. He's like the Walt Disney of comic books. Yeah, he's a masterpiece, really. He will he was like, you know, to be able to come up with those characters is pretty pretty impressive when you think about how many other well known superheroes there are out there in the world. I can't really think of many. What about Spider Man? How do you feel about Spider Man? Um nah. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think much of him. Yeah, like it's just I don't know, I just feel like superhero films have just been like done to death mm-hmm. like they've just you know we've just got too many of them i think it's because also because it sells too yeah like because he's been around forever like i feel like yeah. as a kid i liked him but uh, yeah i don't know he's I, they need the right person to play him i think the latest the latest dude they've had to is pretty good like he's you know like he's he's actually athletic and so i feel like he's a he's a good fit but I'm um, still not sure he's right. I haven't read any of the comics, yeah. so we don't. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I, I can't really make a comparison and say compared to the comic, this is what he's you know really like. What, what, what yeah. what's your thoughts on it? The first the first generation of uh, Spider-Man, I'll say, was the best. The first one, I believe, it was more relatable, you know, and it showed more of like his human side and what happens. Like it was even a time where he didn't even want to be a hero a hero anymore because it was it was ruining his life, yeah. you know. And that's what happens in real life. Yeah. And, and instead of like saying, "Oh, this guy is okay. He's going to be happy all the time. He's going to joke around all the time. Nothing bad happens to him," you know. They don't show that. Yeah. And uh, these new generation of and superhero movies, and, and I like it. That's why I like Netflix's uh, like superhero films, like Daredevil. It shows like real things that happen, or like how they did Luke Cage, or or Iron Fist, or Jessica Jones. Like, it shows that raw feel that nobody wants to show because they're afraid. Oh, no. He's being real. We have to hide that because it's not going to sell. You know? Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's how I like about them, is that they're not gritty. Um, you know, like, you don't have that... Uh, that's why I think why I like Deadpool. It's just so raw, and uh, you know, what would really probably happen to a superhero if they're in a situation like that? But, um, um, but just... Not trying to put a damper on your um, your Netflix examples there, but haven't they just cancelled like two of those series? Yeah, they did. They did. Um, they cancelled uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Yeah, I have no idea why. I think I watched the first couple of episodes of those, and I was like, "Nah, this isn't me." I always give them a try to see whether it's something I'm going to like. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I get you. But how do you feel about um, DC like making their own streaming now? I didn't know. What are they? What are they doing? Yeah, uh, apparently they made their own streaming. It's almost like the Netflix, but it's only for DC comics. Oh, I had no idea. Um, uh, I feel like the DC characters are a lot darker, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like they're under-executed with the with the um, exception of the Dark Knight series that you know, like Christopher Nolan did. They were pretty epic. Yeah. But I think like everything else has just been so badly done that um, I will agree. Like, uh, like Justice League, oh, it was terrible. I had to yeah. like I couldn't watch it all. Like I found myself picking my phone up and playing on that through half of it, <laughs> which I'm actually really bad at anyway because I get quite a lot of you know, like Facebook messages and stuff. I should really just switch my phone off so I can really appreciate a film. But you know, like I don't know about you, but you know when I watch films. Um, for a long time there, when I was right into starting out filmmaking, I was like, 
analyzing films and analyzing shots and not really watching the story. Um, but now I've kind of sort of relaxed with it a bit and now following the story a lot better, which is a far better way to watch films. <laughs> right. But yeah, I understand because now being hanging around a more film crew, like when I was like, when I was at IEP, they would do that all the time. Like, oh my God, can we just watch the movie? And now, nowadays, I was hanging around them for so long. Now I find myself, oh my God, look at that shot. Look how they pan. Look how they transition to the next scene. Holy crap, look at the color in that. Oh my God, why didn't they do it this way? So I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But um, it is good to appreciate a good film. Yeah. So. And now it's cut it tied from a word from our sponsors. But now for let's, let's go to the outside the box questions. Oh, you're probably gonna um, get a <laughs> I don't I don't know. Yeah. We'll <laughs> so if you could be any type of character in a film, would you be an antagonist or a protagonist? Oh, I'd be a protagonist. I've always wanted to be a hero in films. And let's face it, I think probably a majority of us have always wanted to be a hero. You know, like I was yeah. a big um, Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, so, you know, seeing him in Commander oh, yeah. and Predator and films like that, it's just like, you know, I wanted to be just like him when I got older. So, uh, yeah, definitely going with protagonist there. You got to get into the chopper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good, I'll be back here. That's a good impersonation, actually. Yeah, I do actually voice. I do voice impressions actually. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme. I used to love his stuff. I was big on martial arts when I was growing up as well. So um, I love doing a good fight scene in a film as well. Nice. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, Sylvester Stallone. That guy's really good too. Yeah, he's um, a really intelligent guy. Like besides yeah. how he sounds, which is obviously because they severed a nerve in his face when he was born. Um, he's a really intelligent guy and he's a really good example of what filmmakers should be probably striving for, you know, like with that whole Rocky film when he, he made that, it was like he was on the bones of his ass, like, you know, like had no money and he wanted to make Rocky and he only wanted to make Rocky with him in the film being the actor. And so, you know, it, it ended up winning awards and stuff. Like finally someone took a chance and actually made the film and, you know, look what he's turned out to be now. He's an example of, you know, like of what happens when you uh, when you're persistent and keep trying. Exactly. Yeah, I saw his backstory. Like it's really, really impressive. Yeah. It teaches you that just because you're uh, rock bottom doesn't mean you can't do it. You just gotta keep on putting your head to it, keep putting, keep putting all your all to it, and you can achieve anything. You know. Exactly. And that goes for anyone. But don't be afraid to take risks because nothing in life is made successfully without taking a risk and that's where people lack like they don't want to they don't want to take a chance you know because yeah. you never know until you try you know yeah i but feel like look at all these yeah, it's a really good a really really awesome approach to to life in general as well as i find it i'm quite meticulous when i make decisions and i feel like that's probably something that's worked in my favor with my short film making career so far as making those right choices to take the next step up you know, like taking small steps, not trying to go from, you know, step one to step 10 in one jump because, you know, you probably will fall down. But you know, I've had, had that sort of feedback that I, I make smart, small, educated decisions, which I think is, yeah, it's quite important when you're trying to you know, gain momentum. I mean, it's cool to also plan too, but 
a lot of times, like not not a lot of things are going to go to plan. You know, you can plan things, but it's not going to always fall through. So it's good to just be like, well, you know, well, this happened. Well, I know. Well, I'm just going to just roll with it. And a lot of times, a lot of things are made through accidents. Great things are made through accidents. You know, and you you just you just got to roll with it. You know. You know, that's why uh, it's good to hear this because, like, people need that motivation. Like, you know what? I'm not going to cry anymore. I'm in this situation. Oh, well, I'm just going to push through it because, you know, I can do it, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Some people don't want to move on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, here's another question for you. Uh, If you could remake any film, what film would it be? Oh, really? Yeah. Remake any film. Do you know which film I would really like to remake would be Predator? Again? Wow. Yep. I feel like they have done such a shit job on the remakes of that. <laughs> it's just like they're casting weak-looking lead actors, you know, like protagonists that you just don't. And and so, sure, it might feel like a bit of a rip-off that you're using someone, but I would love to cast someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, uh, oh, and do something with okay. him. I feel like he would be a really strong lead to play somebody that's, you know, if you're going to remake Predator and actually, like, you know, like follow the same sort of story. Or do you mean like a reboot or a remake? But that, when I think of remake, I think they're following the same sort of story. Okay, and I guess then reboot then. Maybe 28 Days Later? Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, my oh, God. Really? That would be, co- uh, be hard, though, because 28 Days Later was pretty good. It was good. It was pretty good. But, yeah. Um, I'd love to see that continued. They stuffed up 28 weeks later. Um, and they've been talking about making a, a, a third 28 film. months later. Yeah. yeah, 28 months later. It's like, That's been going on for a while. It has been. Yeah, they've been talking about that for ages. I would, I'd love to have a crack at that. I, I feel like that's such a dark and interesting story. Like Daniel, Danny Boyle was a legend um, who directed mm-hmm. the, the first one. And what I liked about that first film is that they just went out there and made that with a cheap, well, not cheap, but a, a pretty modest um video camera they didn't even use a film camera for the first half of that shoot they used a like a canon xha1 or something like that um which is just you know just like a video video camera and shot it then transferred it to film and then they shot the the last half at night time uh with with an actual film camera and you can notice quite a difference when it changes to it in the film you see this horrible sort of blurry looking footage at the start and then it kind of goes sharp at the end and so yeah, I'd love to have a crack at that. Uh, something like that. Um, I, w- I was a huge, um, I was a huge fan of the the remake of Daughter of the Dead as well by Zack Snyder. He did an amazing job of that. I feel like that's actually better f- than the original for me, which is one of the f- few times I'd say that about a, a sequel to something or a, you know like a remake of something or a reboot. Right. Zack Snyder did an amazing job of that. He, you know, he made zombies run. And it was become like running zombies rather than, you know, I suppose, you know, they did that in 28 days later. And that's probably the, what I found terrifying about that film as well, that they could chase you, <laughs> um, you know. So I'm, I'm quite a big fan, like, of survival films. So, yeah, like I say, like that, yeah. Children of Men, maybe something like that. But we quite called a reboot with um, Clive Owen. I, I like apocalyptic stuff. So, like, uh, The Walking Dead or, like... Uh, oh, I'd um... love to, like, direct an episode of The Walking Dead or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I, st- I still need to catch up on that oh my god oh man it's, it's, it's really, six. I don't want to give any spoilers but 
I just watched this the mid season finale and it's like they've really changed the face of where it's going. Like it's really have you seen any of season nine? No, I'm on season six right now. Oh jeepers. Okay. It does kind of go through <laughs> this oh it's it's going downhill, but they've really um revamped it and it's like they've changed the face of it. It's really, really weird. It's like they've really given it a new fresh breath of life. What about Fear the Walking Dead? I really enjoyed that to start with, but I felt like this fourth season has really gone stale. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's it's certainly different. It's got a different style to it. It's different, like, tones as well. Like, you know, it's, it's coloured differently and stuff as well. It's not as grainy as the um, mm. Walking Dead. Have you seen any of it? You know, I've been meaning to, but no. No, I haven't <laughs> seen the Fear the Walking Dead yet. I've been meaning to watch it, though. Is that, like, what happens? Is it, like, what happens, like, like how it all began, or yeah, yep. I believe that's what it happened. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It starts just prior to the apocalypse, and then it kind of takes you through it. So that was that was quite an interesting spin. I heard they're um, they're looking to make some more versions or or more universes for Walking the Dead, as, uh, Walking Walking the Dead, <laughs> The Walking Dead, um, and they're doing three films starting with one next year. Wow, cool! That's freaking insane. Oh, oh yeah, that'd be cool to do that. Actually. They, they said they're going to like take it to the next level. They're going to do it properly. They're not going to do it to the same budget as one of their TV episodes. They're actually going to do like a cinematic film wow. and really, you know, raise the production value even more, which is interesting. Cause I don't know if you know what happens in this series. You've probably seen it all advertised that somebody dies. Oh no. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get... um, Someone dies so, uh... in every episode anyway. Okay, I'm gonna to go to the next question before I, it gets spoiled. <laughs> okay, um, okay, uh, so if you could switch places with anyone, who would it be? Oh, damn, that's a hard question. Do you know what? I've always really loved playing sports, but I've never mm-hmm. been at a level where I've been good enough to become professional or something. I've done a few rep sports and stuff, but I'm quite a big mixed martial arts fan. Uh, UFC and that sort of thing. So I would actually mm. like to be a UFC champion. I think that would be really cool if I could switch for a little bit. Someone like Conor nice. McGregor or, um, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that'd be pretty fun. Be a freaking fighter. Going from a filmmaker to fighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And also they do a movie about you. I think that would be fun. Be the next Rocky. You know, you'd be all eyes on you, which would probably get, um, get old pretty quickly. But... Um, be certainly um, certainly be an interesting lifestyle to take your take your body to the next level. You know, be at the top physical peak shape, which is certainly not me at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, no, I've always I've always loved sports. So you know, like I'd love to be a top level athlete, like maybe an, an all black rugby player or something like that. I've always wanted to be one of them as well. That'd be freaking crazy. What you, what would you, if you could switch, what would you do? Mm, easy. Uh, I would probably. Um, want to trade places with a musician? I was actually. Oh, there you go. I'd love to be a musician as well. That's a good, good, yeah. good choice. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably be like a, a R&B singer. Probably. Yeah. Uh, you want to be the singer, um, right? Oh hell yeah! I, can't sing, uh, I would probably. I would probably trade places with Neo. Uh, yeah. I, would lo- I would trade places with him. I would be yep. him. I would not be Justin cool. Bieber though. I would not be him. <laughs> I would be Neo. Justin good. Bieber. Good. He's a good singer. He's he's a good singer. But he's not for me. He got that. He got that pretty boy face. He got yeah. that pretty boy face. <laughs> yeah. 
So what's your favorite type of music anyways? I like a bit of everything. I like a bit of old school, mm-hmm. a bit of new school. Um, to be fair, I'm kind of just listening to what's ever on the radio. Um, I mean, I've got Spotify and all that, but uh, I, don't, I don't have like a, you know, I like a bit of rock. I like a bit of pop. I like a bit of rap. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really like classical music, you know? So that's, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag, really. You just like it all. Just like it all. I just learned, uh, uh, easy listening. Yeah, I used to I used to like be a down I used to be a downer of country music, but then I learned that uh country music actually has a lot of good freaking stories to tell. Whereas yeah. a lot of music these days. Yeah, 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 a lot of music these days, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. Or <laughs> it's just it's just a beat or it's just a chorus and it's not all that special. And it's like, oh my god. Oh my god, what the hell is this? No, it's not like no, it's not like a grandpa. You see, back in my day, you kids don't know what real music is. Back in my day, we had the hold down and all the doozy doos, and you know, we used to dance to real music and fist pump. Do you remember Jersey Shore? Oh my God! Do you remember Pauly D? Oh, do you remember the situation? We had situations back in my day. Your situation these days is vaping all day. What the hell is vape? You buy? Well, we used to smoke cigarettes, and now these days, y'all want to smoke? Y'all want to be a chimney? Oh my god, my knees! You know, uh, now I really sound like grandpa. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're reaching we're reaching the end of the podcast here. But I have one last question. Okay. Um, before this ends, um, I noticed that being one person to take a big step of being different sometimes is overwhelming. So I just had to ask, like, what advice would you give to people who want to take that step to? live a life as not only a filmmaker, but something that's different from just like a normal type of lifestyle. I feel like part of being a unique filmmaker is about being yourself, not trying to replicate what other people are doing. Um, and I feel like we as individuals all have something, some unique trait about us that makes us different, that makes us stand out from somebody else. Um, so I really feel like you have to work uh, and focus on your strengths and use those to your advantage and I feel like that could be the best piece of advice I could give to someone that wants to you know be stand out and be different when I was in college and leaving or leaving well, for us college is kind of like you know, when you're like 17 18 that, that sort of era um, my parents were not supportive of me doing filmmaking they didn't see that see it as being a profitable sort of business to be in and, and to be fair a lot it's one of the hardest industries in the world to break into but I feel like the difference between someone successful or someone not is the people who are persistent and have a real passion for it who are never going to give up because those are the ones that are going to see success the ones that just keep trying and trying and trying like you I've had so many setbacks and so many failures throughout my short career that um, and I could have quite easily given up and, and I've seen other people that have done that they've hit some really um, big major hurdles and have actually just stopped and given it away completely um, you just got to keep pushing through that there's always a way and if there's a will there is a way to do it so just keep going I feel like it's very cliche it's like you know like you just never give up it's just you just got to keep doing it well, that's the real thing you just just keep on going for what you feel for and if you feel it's right then go for it. And I think that a lot of people, they feel like they should just please everyone. But the one main person you should want to please is yourself. And if it makes you happy, 
that's all that really matters, you know, at the end of the day. Exactly. Of course, income matters. Of course, income matters. We all need to, you know, we all need to put food on the table. But if it makes you happy what you're doing and you can do it and you can get you can get paid to do something that you love, then go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, there's, I don't see well, like that's there's, all. Yeah, there's no there's no longevity in life doing something that you don't like. You're never going to keep that up. If you, but if you're doing something you love, it's it's not it doesn't feel like a job, especially not for me. Like filmmaking is like my dream. So, you know, whenever I'm out there doing it, I'm completely loving it. And so, being able to share those experiences with other people is um, is priceless. That sounds really inspiring. So I'm happy for you, though, that you're doing something that you love. And I believe that everyone should do that. You know, everyone should go for instead of the whole, oh, my God, I hate my job. I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time. Oh, I hate going to work. You hear it's, That's like a common thing anymore. It's like, oh, I got to wake up in the morning. It's like a joke. Oh, me too. It's like it's depressing. How is that a joke? Like if you don't like what you're doing, if you're, if, if you're waking up every day, if you're waking up and hating waking up going somewhere that you don't want to be, that obviously change, means change. that you should do something. Change it exactly, but you know some people are, are afraid of because they they want that paycheck and you know it, it's safe and it's, it keeps them stable. But you need to take that chance to find something that makes you happy and go for something that you love. You know, that's right. And and those are the happiest people in the world are the people that are doing things that they love doing. You know, and so if you want to be happy, you do something that you love. And it doesn't matter if um, if it fails, at least you've tried, at least you've, you know, I mean, I think, exactly. you know, it's like the ultimate regret, isn't it? Not doing something that you really wanted to try. Yeah. So just get out there and do it. Well, because you only live once too, so just live, you know. Yeah. And no, no, instead of living at what if, you know. Well, I've, I've left my run reasonably late. I mean, I'm, I'm coming up 40 next year, mm-hmm. so, but I feel like there's quite a long career ahead of me in filmmaking and my mentor, I've got a mentor who's Michael Saracen, uh, who's a cinematographer. He shot the films like um, War of the Planet of the Apes and the Planet of the Apes, all the recent films. So he's he lives in my town, funnily enough. And, uh, you know, he's 70, 76 years old. And he's still working at the highest level. So I feel like I've still got a long career ahead of me based on that information. Wow. Yeah. That's good, though. Yeah, to have a mentor. Cause also because... I think also because having a mentor, the good thing about having a mentor compared to like going to school is that they're always there to answer your questions. Not only that, but they know exactly what to tell you because they're doing it in the actual industry of what you want to do, you know? Yeah. And you can compare notes. You can say, you know, what's it like at the highest level doing that? Or, you know, like, am I making the right choices to get to where you are? And it's, it's, um, Michael Saracen has a very common, common sense approach to things. Um, I have a tendency sometimes of really tippy-toeing around points A to B, you know, rather than go there in a straight line, I'll quite often want to go around the outside to get to, to B, while he'd be like, he'll he'll quite often re-centre my focus and say, why are you trying to go around when you can just go straight through? So, yeah, it's just kind of like just having that common sense approach is is, is what's really got him to the top, I suppose, in some ways. So I'm trying to change the way I think when I'm trying to get from point A to point B, which may sound quite simple, but it's it's quite easy to to not take that straight straight line approach to yeah. something. Well, I thank you so much for being a guest in this podcast. It was really nice talking to you and all sharing you sharing your story and your experiences. And I wish you the best in your future as well. Where can we find your films, by the way? 
Um, the films that I've released, you can find on my website. Yes. It's uh, AaronFelvey.com. So A-A-R-O-N-F-A-L-V-E-Y.com. I've got a list of all my films that I can release that are online. So some of that stuff's my older work. Unfortunately, Ascendance isn't going to be on there for another year or so because it's, it's still in doing film festival circuits for about a year. But um, hopefully we'll see it on Amazon Prime or something like that maybe in the not-too-distant future if we can get a distribution deal if you want to see some of the more recent work. There you all go. And thank you all so much for listening. And always remember to be unique. This is Fernando signing off and Aaron until the next story comes. But before I go, I just got one question for all of you. What's your story?